Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, No way. Just kidding, of course. Just making sure you're following along. (laughs) You're like, what translation is that? But he answered, verse 4, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Let's prepare our hearts in prayer, friends. Lord, we ask that You would open our hearts and our minds to hear from You today. To reestablish during this time of worship together as we engage in hearing from You. That You would form us, that You would shape us, that You would make us more disciples who follow You in the ways that can sometimes be hard. Uh, Lord, give us Give us the courage to defy the world's missions that draw us away from Your goodness and Your glory as the goal of our lives. Strengthen us through Your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us through the witness of those who have gone before. Encourage us through the body of believers around us uh, so that we would leave this place today with some holy defiance. It gives us a framework that gives us the motivation, that gives us Your Spirit, that gives us understanding so that we can say yes to the mission You have for us, Lord. Keep us focused on Your will for our lives and not the missions that tempt us each day. We ask for this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Who here has been to Asheville at least a a few times? Two, three, four? Okay, cool. Asheville, North Carolina, if uh, you're not from around here. Um, It's just over the mountain a little bit. And uh, Asheville's a cool place. Um, It's a bit of a weird place. Um. I thought I'd let that sit there for a second. <laughs> Some of you all be like, that's why I live in Greenville. Um, if you've been to Asheville a time or two in the last number of years, um, it doesn't take you long to notice there's this sort of keep Asheville weird thing that seems to be everywhere. 
Wherever you turn in Asheville, it's on a t-shirt, it's on like a bumper sticker, it's on a sign, a billboard, it's on Subaru Outbacks all over the place. You've been to Asheville. Keep Asheville weird. This guy's doing his part right here. Anybody seen the uh, bicycling nun in Asheville? Yeah, it, uh, the bicycling nun is famous. There he is. Um, he actually, there's, there are three of them, turns out. Uh, this one is Bad Sister Habit. Keep Asheville weirds everywhere. Everybody's trying to keep Asheville weird, okay? Now, here's the thing. Here's the problem. Everybody wants to keep Asheville weird, uh, but it seems to be getting, over time, less weird uh, lately because it's becoming a little more normal because everybody wants to move to Asheville because it's weird, which means it's bringing in a bunch of normal people. Um, in fact, nowadays, there are quite a few unweird and rather nice places in Asheville. And guess what? Uh, the weird people who used to make Asheville Asheville turns out they're not welcome at the five-star hotels. They're not welcome at the planned condo communities, right? Uh, turns out, over the last few years, Asheville's becoming a little less weird. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but Asheville's losing some of its weird. Now, don't get me wrong, by the way, it's still weird. If you've been there lately, hippies gyrating without their shirts on um, at the drum circle on Friday nights. Some of you have been there, I know. Um, that's still a thing in Asheville, unfortunately. Um, there's still plenty of that to go around. Um, and, and here's the thing, though. What was seen once as a place of hippie defiance <laughs> against the world and the corrupting influence of the world, what was once seen as a place of like hippie defiance has changed trajectory a bit in the last number of years as people move there and it gets larger. Uh, consumer culture that they try to keep out is something that they can't keep out. And Asheville's a losing a little bit over time, a bit of its defiant weirdness. It's off its weird game a bit because it's trying to provide you know, cool housing and lots of cool restaurants for normal people who want to live there because, let's be frank, weird people don't have much money. You're like, what's this have to do with Jesus? <laughs> you laugh because you were thinking it. The mission of Asheville has changed trajectory a bit of late. From cultural defiance to cultural accommodation. Now, I don't really know enough about Asheville to do a full-fledged analysis of its mission. And obviously, that's not what we're here to do today. But I do know the church, and I do know Christians, and I know that we run the same risk of drifting away from our mission. If we're not careful, if we're not intentional, we very easily lose our focus. We very, very easily lose our sort of defiant edge and our sense of calling to God's purposes alone. Because other missions are always tempting us with what feels like a good here and now thing to do. Which means when we say yes to those other missions, we end up capitulating to the principles of the world and we get off course. In our series for this next six weeks, we're going to be about keeping focused uh, with what we're going to call a sort of holy defiance. <laughs> we're going to talk about keeping focused with a holy defiance on choosing a mission different than the world. 
You may not know that when you said yes to following Jesus, that's what you were saying yes to, uh, but welcome to church. When you said yes to following Jesus, it was not just for the eternal benefits that you hope and have faith are going to be there. It was in the reality of the cross meaning something for you today in choosing a mission differently than the world offers. You see, God asks us (laughs) to give up what is good and comfortable and safe for us and brings us this worldly sort of fame, pleasure, and things like that for the here and now. He, he, He asks us to say no to those good things for a larger, greater thing of being used for the sake of the glory of God being made known. Welcome to church. That's our mission. And that process at times may feel a little bit like pain, but it's actually growth. It may require saying no to the temptations of the world, uh, but the result, when we say no to other missions and the temptations of the world, the result is the formation of God in us for power for mission. The result is the formation of godliness, of Jesus in us, to give us the ability to stay focused on our mission. When you say no to the temptations of the world, what results is a godliness that gives power to the mission that actually satisfies in the here and now. A holy defiance against the world's mission is why we're gathered today. To learn some holy defiance from Jesus. Because Jesus himself was tempted to go off mission. This is exactly what we see in what we just read in Matthew 4. Three times Satan tempted Jesus to give in to the pressure of this sideways energy that offers luxury and fame and fortune here and now. And this matters because had Jesus not defied the world's mission and the evil one's temptations, he would not have made it to the cross and we would not know freedom from sin. It is not overstatement to say that Jesus was faithful to us by being defiantly focused on the Father's will instead of everybody else's will. It is not overstatement to say that Jesus' holy defiance gives us life. Look at Matthew 4 with me, if you would, please. 1 through 11. A lot of cool stuff to see here. We're going to jump into the first couple verses here. This is right after Jesus Um, was baptized and right before he went into public ministry. So Matthew 4, 1 and 2 say this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, (laughs) he was hungry. You think? (laughs) I can make it a few days, but 40 I mean, I fast for a few days, and, and I get a little bit crazy. I don't know if you've ever done any fasting. I've had enough experience with fasting in my life to know exactly what happens for me. Day one, I feel like, man, this is amazing. I am so disciplined. I am so close to God. My prayer life is amazing. This is going to be awesome. Midway through day two, I get this massive pounding headache that's accompanied by an hour or two of dizziness and blurred vision for me, where I think, this must be what it's like to be high. That's kind of the feeling. Midway through day two. Uh, Day three, (laughs) I'm feeling my pulse in my toenails. Day four, you know when Wile E. Coyote sees Roadrunner and and every time he looks, he sees meat? (laughs) Some of you who grew up with Saturday morning morning cartoons remember that. By day four for me, everything is filet mignon and chocolate. So here's Jesus at day 40. 
It's been 40 days, which is the absolute upper limit of how long the body can go without food. And Matthew describes Jesus with these simple words at the end of verse 2. He was hungry. If I'm at day 40, I'm hangry in a way that would land me in prison. And if you're anything like me, when I get hungry, when I get tired, I get depressed, I get frustrated, I get angry, uh, which is exactly when the evil one does the most damage, when our defenses are down. Satan knows what he's doing. Look at, look at verse 3. The tempter, the devil, came and said to him, said to Jesus, this is the first of three temptations, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If I'm coming off day 40... I'm eating rocks. I don't have to wait for them to become bread. If that's all that's around. Now, what's going on here in uh, in this temptation is this. The evil one is tempting Jesus to go off the mission he has from the Father to go to the cross so we could know him and have salvation. It's a pretty big temptation. The evil one's tempting Jesus to go off mission by suggesting that Jesus use his power and his privilege as the Son of God for himself. The temptation here is to exploit his special relationship with God to serve himself and to meet his own needs. Now, this may seem like an innocent temptation on the face of it. I mean, Jesus has been going without food for 40 days. Nobody's going to be like, Jesus, why did you turn those stones into bread? (laughs) It may seem like a, a small little miracle if you're hungry and there's no food in sight. It would even seem to make sense to turn stones into bread. Good suggestion, Satan. But Jesus knows better. He knows his mission is to use his power and his privilege with God the Father to serve others. That's why Jesus came. And he knows that he cannot save sinners at the end of the six weeks where we get to Easter, where he's resurrected. Don't forget Good Friday. He only gets to Good Friday by being faithful to mission. He knows his mission is to use his power to serve others. And he cannot save sinners by bypassing the process God the Father has for him, which includes suffering. So now at the very beginning, before he goes public with his ministry to become a perfect sacrifice for sin, if he says yes to even just a small thing that nobody would blame him for, it would be a little wedge, a little wedge that would drive him away from the Father's will and from mission. That's how much Jesus loves you. At the end of 40 days, when not one of us would say, oh, Jesus, but there was this one time. He said, no, I'm faithful. I'm faithful for you. That's how important this is. That's how important Jesus' mission to save sinners was for him. So the temptation comes and Jesus responds, He answers in verse 4. He says this. Three words. It is written. Which, real quick, uh, Jesus says in every one of his three responses to Satan. It is written. (laughs) It's a statement of the authority of the Word of God that directed his mission over against any other authority. For Jesus, in this moment, when Satan's tempting him, it is written is holy defiance. He's saying, I take my cues from the Father, not from you. 
So he says, it is written, the statement of the Word of God is authority for mission. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Read that again. Look at this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying here, uh, the Word of God, the truth that comes from the Father's heart, that will be my guide on this mission of serving and saving through suffering. And this is, this is a mission of selflessness that for Jesus, he knows is going to require perfect adherence to the Father's will. It's just like when Jesus says in John 4:34, my food, what gets me going, what feeds me, what keeps me motivated, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I mean, you want to find and follow Jesus, take on his holy defiance against other missions and temptations that draw you away from why you were created and learn what he means when he says, I live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I find life by doing what God wants. Can you say that? I find life by doing what God wants for me. Friends, people all around you are tempting you to say yes to another mission. The people all around you are trying to form you into their image, ask you to do things that are about them or making this world about you, making this world about them. You must stand firm with Jesus in holy defiance to other missions if you're going to remain faithful to the Father's will. Let me say that again because it's important. For those who say yes to Jesus... You have to stand firm with him in holy defiance against other missions if you're going to remain faithful to the Father's will. Second temptation, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, which is Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Press pause. The temple is huge. The temple mount there is huge. It took up about one-sixth of the entire city. The foundations of the temple were one and a half million square feet. The pinnacle that they're talking about there was probably about 300 feet above the floor of the Kidron Valley below. And there were likely in the Temple Mount many thousands of people below. So the devil takes Jesus to a place up high where all the people could see. (laughs) The pinnacle of the temple. And that's where he gives this suggestion, this temptation. Verse 6. He said to him, If you're the Son of God, if you've got this power and privilege, throw yourself down. Now notice this, for it is written. Satan's like, oh, you want to cite some scripture? Let's play the scripture game. It is written. Satan's not dumb. He knows scripture better than you and me, actually, in terms of facts. It's just that he twists the truth to be about self instead of God. That's what Satan does. He twists the truth uh, so that you believe that the world's about you and not God. So he tries to use Scripture against Jesus. And he says, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Uh, the tempter here is quoting from Psalm 91. Uh, and the temptation here, again, is for Jesus to use his power as Son of God for himself, to make him look good in front of all these people who were there at the temple. Satan is tempting Jesus to misuse his privilege and his power as the Son of God. After all, 
Psalm 91 promises that angels would come and watch over Jesus and watch over God's faithful people to keep them from from harm. How much more, Jesus, would He take care of you? Right? And that's that's what the temptation is. All, All these people watching will notice that you are something special. That's how they'll know, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. So the temptation goes. But verse 7, Jesus says, quoting from Deuteronomy again, all three of Jesus' retorts come from Deuteronomy 6 and 8. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Long story short, Jesus is saying that it's wrong to test God by demanding that he rescue us or provide for us in the ways that we stipulate. It's wrong to test God by demanding that He rescue us or provide for us, listen carefully, in the ways we stipulate according to our mission. If our mission is making the world about us, about ourselves, we will demand from God and test from Him what we think we need and what He should provide for us. Which is upending the creator-creation relationship. That's a way of acting as Lord. That's why Jesus says, don't test God. And Jesus is saying, I'm not going to start manipulating the power and privilege I have in my relationship with God for myself, just like the first temptation. He's going to stay focused on using that special relationship with the Father to accomplish the Father's will. It's like we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the Multiply series. Uh, we talked about how we were created for God's mission of giving away from blessing for gospel multiplication. We were created for God's mission of giving away from blessing for gospel multiplication. The part we struggle with is believing that that's for our good. <laughs> we're sure that giving away for the sake of others is going to create lack of safety and control for ourselves, which is a form of distrust in God's provision for His mission. Because we're still tied to thinking that this is all about you anyway. Jesus has the mission in mind for our good and God's glory. Jesus knows that His mission is not carried out in the normal ways of man-made fame. That's why when Jesus, in Luke, before he goes public, Luke reports in Luke 4 that Jesus, uh, in, in the synagogue, in the setting where they all understood what he meant, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He's given me this mission of proclaiming good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are Oppressed. Jesus is on a mission to set captives free, and he cannot do that if he abuses his power for selfless gain. For selfish gain. Sorry. <laughs> you and I don't sit here if Jesus wasn't focused on his mission. Verse 8. Again, third temptation. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you, Satan says to Jesus, which at first glance 
seems a little presumptuous for Satan to say, right? Like, oh, so Satan can just give these to Jesus, who creator God. Uh, Scripture calls Satan the ruler of this world, the God of this age, a small r, small g, God of this age, as a way of acknowledging that Satan is powerful over this world. In fact, I would say that, that Satan is the authority for how this world works. In, in this series, we are saying that to defy the world is the same as defying Satan's small k kingdom. So all these, Satan says, all these kingdoms of this world, I will give you, verse 9, here, here's the if, if you will fall down and worship me. All of this, Jesus, looking from a high mountain, I'll give it to you if, if, if you'll just fall down and worship me. <laughs> Listen, dealing with Satan is like dealing with most cable companies. We're preaching yet. They always, they always overpromise and underdeliver. If you bow down and worship me, I will give you this bundle of internet goodness for $30 a month. Right? Liars! It isn't true! Don't believe it. Somehow in three months, six months, a year, I don't know how and I don't know when, but somehow that creeps up to three digits uh, a month, becomes some tiny clause in the contract that you didn't read, says that they're allowed to jack you up to 100 bucks plus a month just because you breathed after you signed it. <laughs> Satan's always got a clause in the contract. He's always got a catch. It sounds like truth. It may even feel like truth. It promises the world, but it actually delivers death. <laughs> and, and not fast internet. The temptation here is for Jesus to jump ahead of God's will, to take the world as his kingdom in the here and now. And Satan says, you can have it all right now, Jesus. It's yours for the taking if you'll fall down and worship me. Satan is tempting Jesus to sidetrack from his mission. He's promising Jesus the world in the here and now without having to suffer. But the price of honoring anything other than God is always too high. There's always a catch. Serve the devil and rule the world. 30 bucks a month and you'll get fast internet. There's always a catch. So Jesus said to him, verse 10, Be gone, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. When the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him in scene. Uh, Satan twists truth. Satan twists the truth into a self-centered act. This is what Satan does. He twists the truth and he makes self-centeredness sound and feel like safety and control and wisdom. But friends, the will of God for us is the same as it was for Jesus. is to lay ourselves bare for the sake of God's goodness and glory and to be satisfied in participating in His mission for the world. That's a high calling. It's a hard calling. But that's what's involved in saying yes to taking up the cross of Christ. 
And friends, in order to stay track, to stay on track with God's desire to use you for His glory, you need holy defiance. You need a spirit-filled, Jesus-following, holy defiance that takes the Father's will as more important than all the other missions for you. It is only a holy defiance to what God wants to make happen in you and through you for His goodness and glory being made known that will keep you on track against the temptations that come at you. No other purpose is going to keep you from the temptations that are the clauses in the contract. Jesus lived with a holy defiance. He lived with a holy defiance so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. (laughs) Which is why this is powerful stuff we're talking about today. Listen, if we say yes to this holy defiance, you can live a life that means that others can know the joy and the contentment and the life and the peace that you know in Jesus. You can live a life of holy defiance so that people can find and follow Jesus. Holy defiance is necessary for all who will stay focused on this mission. Let's pray, friends. Lord, we're forever grateful for your son, Jesus, who wasn't just a a model for us to follow, but that his adherence to your will, his perfect following of your mission was how we could have our sins forgiven. Lord, that's awesome stuff. And we're grateful to you that your Son, Jesus, loved us enough to say no to the temptations. Lord, we pray that you would give us a love for our friends and our family, our co-workers. Give us a love for others around us so that we would say yes to the same kind of mission, defying the temptations of the world that always overpromise and underdeliver, so that you would be formed in us, so that our offering of our lives would be used by you for gospel multiplication, and so that we as a church body would be a witness to our community. Lord, we, we want to say yes to helping people find and follow you. We believe you alone change hearts and can save from sin. And so we follow you to the cross, defying the temptations around us, saying yes to the mission you've given us because we believe, Lord, that lasting peace and joy and contentment that begins in the here and now can be had by saying yes to your mission for us. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.